to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Today we're going to jump back into the sermon series that we began actually over a year ago, October, uh, a year and a half, not quite a year and a half ago. We started this sermon series on the story of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. And if you've not been with us all along or you've missed any particular Sunday since then, you can go back and listen to or watch any of the messages from that series. But we started at the very beginning of Luke. We made our way through chapter 8. We took a couple breaks along the way for various things, and we had just, we're just now coming out of a break. We took a break for the holiday season, and then we had our special sermon season at the, uh, sermon series at the beginning of the year on a lifestyle of worship, missionary guest last week. So we're jumping back into this series on Luke, the story of Jesus. And unless God tells me to preach something else specifically different than that, we're going to stick with that until we get closer to Easter time. But today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 8. Now to introduce this, I just want to say, how many of you are aware that Tuesday is Valentine's Day? Okay. If you are married or have a sweetheart and you were not aware, I just saved your life, maybe. Or at least your happiness and peace. So be aware that Tuesday is Valentine's Day. And, you know, on Valentine's Day, we celebrate love. All right? How many of you are in love? How many of you are really in love? And if you're sitting next to your spouse and you didn't raise your hand, you already got problems. Okay? So if you're, in love, if you're in love, and if you're really in love, how obvious is it? Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to say you need to be like involved in a lot of massive PDA, you know, especially not an inappropriate type. But, you know, it's it interesting because um, last Sunday, you know, um, after service, I was walking toward the back, and I saw a couple in our church, and they were holding hands. I said, you guys must really be in love. And I would never want to embarrass them, so I won't mention Oriole and Mirtha's names. But they say, yeah, we really love each other. I said, it's obvious. It's obvious. Say, what's that got to do with this passage in Luke? I don't think Jesus talked about Valentine's Day. We're talking about obviously being in love. And I just want to say, you know, same type of question. How many of you are Christians? How many of you are really fully devoted? Are you trying to be fully devoted followers of Jesus? And if you would say, yes, that's me, how obvious is that? And what makes it obvious? Well, there should be a number of things, but we're going to talk about one of those things today because as we get to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start reading in verse, um, I think I said, verse 16 in just a couple of moments. Jesus talks about some specific things that fit along the lines of this topic, okay? The title of my message today is Shine Your Light. Shine Your Light. Without getting into the symbolism of what that means, I'll just tell you that if you shine your light, that's one of those things, one of the main things that can make it very obvious. And not that you do it to be obvious, but it's just going to be a natural result. But that's one of those things that makes it obvious that you're a Christian, that you're a follower of Jesus. And so today I believe that uh, God would want us to take this passage and use it to encourage us to shine our light and several other things that Jesus mentioned that would lead up to that and help us to do that the best way we can and more effectively. So let's look at Luke chapter 8, reading from verses 16 to 21. This comes in the middle of Jesus' teaching. He has just told and explained the parable of the sower and the seed and the soils. And we'll refer back to that a little bit later on. But immediately after talking about how we need to have good soil, we need to have a good heart that accepts God's word and allows a lot of growth and fruit and maturity to take place, he says this in verse 16. He says, No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar 
or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Three thoughts I want to share with you from, three main thoughts, there's some sub-thoughts too, but three main thoughts I want to share with you from this passage of Scripture. And the first one is basically a restatement of the title with a little bit of addition, and that is, shine your light brightly. Shine your light brightly. And if you're sitting there saying, well, what exactly do you mean by light? All that kind of stuff. You know, verse 16, Jesus says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar, puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. And the idea of light is all through Scripture. When you go all the way back to Genesis 1, when God creates the earth, creates the world and everything, what's one of the first things he says? He says, let there be light. You look at the symbolism of light in Scripture and also to a degree in the world, and I think it's because that's the way God created to be, that, that light is most often associated with that which is good and righteous and holy and best, whereas darkness is associated with evil and sin depression, all that would come from that. The Bible says that God is light. Jesus said that he came to be the light of the world. In what way is he using this idea of light in this passage? Well, first of all, I want to give you a little insight into the, 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 the illustration he uses here. He says, nobody lights a lamp and then covers it over, puts it on. I want to show you a picture of, uh, of just a very simple lamp like they used back then. It was just a little clay dish with a wick and some oil, and you'd light the wick, and it would suck up the oil, and the wick would go down, the oil would go up. Sounds like we could make that into a song, but anyway, you know, and, but it wouldn't give out much more light than a candle, but that's what they had. Some of them were fancy than that, some not, you know, whatever, that's a very simple one, but that's what he's talking about. He says, you know, if you're going to light this because it's dark in your house, you don't light it and then cover it over with something. First of all, it's going to put it out or start a fire. You don't stick it under your bed. You put it up higher so that, because as I said, these don't put out a whole lot of light. They didn't have LEDs and electricity and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's not a lot of light. He says, you put it up on something where you can see it better and not just to see it, but you can see everything else around better because that's the purpose of the light so that you can see what's around. We'll talk more about the purpose of a light in just a moment. But when we look at this passage in context, this light that Jesus is talking about is not so much God or himself, but it's talking about truth. It's talking about God's word and the truth that it reveals. That this truth shines out into a world of darkness. The darkness of ignorance, the darkness of lies, the darkness of deception, the darkness of evil, that God has good news and good things for people who would turn to them, to him, but they dwell in darkness and they need the light so they can see and understand the good news and its source and turn to him. So this light that we're talking about in this Illustration: This light that we're talking about shining is the good news. Not just the gospel, which literally means good news of how we can be saved from our sins, but all the truth of God's word and its impact on our lives. So we need to shine our lights brightly. Shine your light brightly. How do you do that? The first way is to share the truth. Share the truth. I almost used this, made this subpoint tell the truth, but that has the idea of tell the truth instead of telling a lie, and that's not the point I'm trying to make. I mean, do tell the truth instead of telling a lie. But when I say tell the truth or share the truth, is to the degree that you know the truth and understand the truth, share it with other people. 
We do that within the body of Christ. You know, the commands that we have to love and support one another and encourage one another and, and sometimes to hold one another accountable when we're in relationship with someone where we have that, that, that opportunity and that responsibility. It comes about through sharing the truth. We're there to, to support one another, to be with one another and be there for one another. And the, the most solid foundation for doing that in an effective way is by through God's truth. Because we can tell people all kinds of stuff, but if it's just, you know, kind of empty words or feel-good stuff, it may or may not help. But when it's based on God's word and God's promises, that truth can make a difference. So we can shine our lights brightly by sharing the truth. But a very significant way is what I talked about just a moment ago. And that is sharing the gospel the good news, the truth about how we can have salvation from our sins by turning to Jesus Christ and putting our faith and trust in Him and what He did for us. Now, there's a saying that's out there, and there's a certain amount of really good truth to it. And it's funny because this saying is attributed to this very famous man in history, and he never said it. Have I said enough to make you wonder what the saying is? Well, I'll tell you what the saying is. The saying is this, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. So what does that mean? That means that we should live our lives in such a way that even if we don't say anything, people could look and say, there's something different about them. And that's a hundred percent true. And And I say that and pray that all the time. Lord, do something in us. Lord, work in my life. May I live in such a way that people look at me and say, they're different. He's different from other people in this way or that way or just in general. Whatever it is he's got, I want it because I I can see stuff in his life. And I hope you feel the same way. That saying has always been associated or attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Researchers have searched all of his known writings and they can't find it anywhere. So, have no idea how it became associated with him. So, there's a lot of truth there, but it can also be very misleading. And it can become an excuse for us not to speak up, to not tell the truth, to not share the truth. Say, well, I'm just going to live a really good life. I'm going to try to live for Jesus. I'm going to be that different person. And whoo, that takes me off the hook. I never need to talk about Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And can I tell you that that is not sufficient? You see, that's the, the one downfall. That's the one fault of this saying to preach the gospel all times, use word if necessary, because words are always necessary. You see, somebody could see this good life that you live and you could, you could act just like Jesus Christ and never make a mistake, never say anything wrong and people could just come to the conclusion that you're just a good person and they'd never hear the gospel that God loved them enough to send Jesus to die for them and pay the price for their sins. We still need to speak up. We still need to share the truth. That's what's behind so many of our efforts to try to help you learn how to share the truth. Last fall, you know, we interrupted the sermon sermon series for a short while to talk about uh, why do people not share their faith and how can we get over those fears because it basically comes down to fear. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid we don't know enough information. We're afraid we're going to get it wrong. We're afraid that our life isn't good enough. We need to get over those fears. So from time to time, and we will again this year have more teaching about how to share your faith and and, and how to do that effectively in spite of whatever limitations and fears you might have. But it's also why we're so passionate about preaching the gospel and sharing it in settings like this. That's why we're so glad that our live stream goes out all over the place. As I mentioned over the last couple weeks, we got, we've had people watching in Africa and in Brazil and uh, all over the United States. And so the gospel gets to be sent out that way. That's why we're involved in special services from time to time and why we're planning that special series of services the end of March and beginning of April. An old-fashioned tent crusade. Tents set up on our front lawn. Services in the evenings. The committee for that event said, we want to call this, We Bring the Light. I'll be honest with you, the first time I thought that, I said, that sounds just a little bit arrogant. We bring the light like nobody else does, but that's not the intent. And there's a lot of truth there, what we're looking at today. God has commissioned us to bring the light. 
God has commissioned us to be the light and to shine the light. And if we're not going to bring the light as believers, who is? So we look forward to that event coming up the end of March. We have been encouraging you all to be involved by praying even now that it all come together, all the details, all kinds of that God will use it, blah, 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 to give toward it because it's not cheap to do all that stuff. And you can give anytime, anywhere, online, here, just mark it for the crusade, put it in the offering, do it online under other. Make that note. But can I tell you that we can pray 24 hours a day. We can give and have all the financial needs taken care of. But if we don't get the word out, invite people to come in and nobody hears about it and nobody comes, it's just going to be a really nice meeting for church folk. And we can have a good time, but we won't have accomplished our purpose. So we need to share the truth. Lots of scriptures about that, but one of my favorites is this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says, always being prepared or always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I love this because it doesn't say memorize all these scriptures. Make sure you get it all right. Make sure your life is perfect because those things are just not going to happen. It just says, you know, if you know Jesus and he's changed your life, just always be ready for people that are willing to hear. It's great if they ask you, but don't just wait for them to ask. Now, I'm not saying barge in and, you know, you're talking about a new recipe and you, and you just say all of a sudden, by the way, did you know about Jesus? You know, you, you got to wait for the right door, the right opportunity to transition to that kind. But, you know, be willing when someone is open to hear about the hope that you have because of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. So we need to share the truth. But the other way that we shine our light brightly, we've already talked about it, but let me just mention you need to live the truth. I didn't mean to downplay the importance of a life lived for God. I didn't mean to kind of say that wasn't important whether you live right or obey God or whatever because, you know, you can say all the right things, but if your life doesn't match it, how much value and how much worth do your words have? How much are people going to believe? I don't know if you ever had an authority figure in your life, whether it was a boss, a parent, some other relative that always told you to do things a certain way, but they never did it that way themselves. Or always told you that a certain thing was right and another thing was wrong, but it didn't seem to affect the way they lived their life. You know that that didn't put very much weight to their words in your life. Now, this doesn't mean that we need to be perfect. Because none of us are. We're still all growing and learning and trying to be what Jesus Christ wants us to be. But can I tell you that sometimes even our failures can be a witness? What I mean by that is we blow it and we're very, very quick to get it right with God and to get it right with other people and say, listen, I am so sorry. You know what? That's not who I want to be, but I still wrestle with junk in my life and I blew it. You know, I, I cussed you out. I cut you off, I, I did whatever, and, and I'm really sorry. That's a testimony in itself. The fact that we're trying to work on the things that aren't right in our lives. So share the truth and live the truth. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew, we find another time Jesus is talking about the same topic, and he words it a little bit different, and it talks about how we should live it out. In Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. See the same teaching here. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's very interesting that that's in chapter 5 and chapter 6, Jesus is going to go on and talk about how we shouldn't do our good works in front of people to be seen by them. Is there a contradiction there? No. He's talking about attitudes and motives. 
In chapter 6, he says, don't go act all spiritual so people just think you're spiritual and think you're high and mighty and you're all that because you want a good reputation, you want people to look up to you in a wrong way, be full of pride. He says, don't do things for that reason. But here he's saying, you do live out that good life, but do it in such a way with humility and, and, and in such a way that if people are willing to look for it, they'll see it's because of God in your life, not because you're such a wonderful person. So we share the truth. We live the truth. And what is the purpose of this shining? To use the illustration Jesus says, shine your light. Shine your light brightly. What is the purpose of it? We get to the end of that verse 16. He says they put it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. You know, very strictly literal sense, it's like you put it up in your house and somebody comes into your house. They can see the light and they can see by the light of the light the rest of the house. But most Bible scholars, and I happen to kind of feel this way too, says that there's a little bit more to that behind the words, those who enter. What do I mean by that? That this is talking about people who are open. These are people who are kind of coming. These are people who, you know, they enter your house, they're open to being there. You know, that, that you shine your light so that those people who probably God's already been working in their life and everything, but they enter, they're ready to enter, and they're ready to hear, they're ready to, to, to receive, at least to some degree. He says, shine your light in such a way that people who are open to see the light and what it represents can see, can understand. How bright is your light? How bright is your light? Shine your light brightly. What do we need to do to be able to do that? The rest of the teaching we're going to look at here kind of builds up to that from the point of where we don't even know Jesus and what we go through to come to know him and then grow in him. And so the second main idea I want to share with you from this is listen carefully to the truth. Listen carefully to the truth. Now, if you're here today or you're watching online and you're just kind of zoned out because maybe you don't even want to be here, somebody drug you here or coerced you here or said they'd give you lunch if you came here, you know, you're not really listening all that carefully, perhaps. Maybe now you are because I'm talking about you. I don't know. God's not giving me a revelation. I'm not seeing faces glow or anything that's at you, okay? Or if you're at home, we're glad you've joined us. But if you just got me on as background noise, hey, I'm still glad you're doing that, but you're not really paying attention. You're not hearing as well as you could be as if you were really listening attentively. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says here in verse 16, uh, verse 18, take care then how you hear. Take care then how you listen. And it's an ongoing thing. So this point is listen carefully to the truth. So if you're watching online or you're here today and you say, I'm paying attention. I want to I hear God speak to me. And I, I challenge you to pray that whenever you come to church. Lord, help me today to be ready to give. Say, Pastor, why are you talking about money? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about help me to be ready to give you praise and glory and honor and help me to be ready to give encouragement to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, you can give in the offering too. But anyway, that wasn't the point. But before you come to church, on Saturday night, pray, God, prepare my heart even now to be ready to go to church and be with God's people and to give praise and worship and words of encouragement and love, expressions of love. But Lord, help me to be ready to receive. Open my heart. Help me to pay attention. Help me to hear. Help me to see the light. Listen carefully to the truth because before you can shine the light, you have to respond to the light yourself. Let's look at verse 17. I know I mentioned 18 because that's where Jesus said, take care then how you hear. But verse 17, when he's talking about this light, he says, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So he says, another purpose of this light is that things that are hidden will be made manifest, that which is secret will be made known and come to light. What's he talking about? Is that a positive thing? Is that a negative thing? Jesus uses this teaching in a couple of other places. In some places, a little more clear whether he's talking about a positive thing or a negative thing. But this verse right here, it's like, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? I think it includes both. So how does it include both? Well, both. Well, first of all, positively. What is the positive purpose of the light revealing things? The positive purpose is that light shows the way. How many of you ever walked through a dark room? Thought you knew where everything was? 
your shin or your toe discovered it wasn't where you thought it was because you didn't have a light, right? There was no light. It makes me think of the streets here in Marion Oaks. Some of them have great light. You get in other places that if you were dropped down there without knowing how you got there, you'd have no clue where you were. You might would think you're on Mars. Can you imagine? I, I tell you what, trying to find some place, and I've been here 18 years, but trying to find a new place in Marion Oaks without a street, without street lights and stuff, even if you got the address, I'm so thankful for GPSs. Can you imagine doing that without having headlights on your car? Forget it. But see, that's one of the purposes. That's the positive purpose of the hidden being revealed, that which is secret, that which you can't see, you can now see, is because light shows the way. Many Bible scholars say that what Jesus is saying here is that, you know, he has just come into the world. There are some people that are beginning to understand a little bit about who he is, that he really is sent from God, and that the word and the truth that he's sharing is important, but yet it's not quite there yet. But the longer he's around, and especially after he dies on the cross, is buried, is resurrected, and is ascended into heaven, that light is going to blaze forth. And people are going to understand even more. There's going to be even more light. And so he may be saying to his disciples and those that are listening, you know, I've come to do something. I'm sharing truth and stuff, and it's kind of hidden, right? Certain people are getting it. Some are not getting it. You know, it's not as well known, but one day (laughs) it's going to shine forth like a bright light. And obviously, in light of what he's saying here, it's going to shine forth through you, talking about the disciples, and through us today. So the positive purpose is the light shows the way, but there's also a negative side, The negative purpose is that light exposes what needs to be dealt with. Light exposes what needs to be dealt with. I can remember when I was a kid, I was a typical boy, loved playing outside, outdoors, me and my brothers and friends, you know, we were in a situation where if we could go hunting for snakes, we wanted to go hunting for snakes. Just thought that was so cool. Half the time we saw them, we'd jump back, you know. But we don't go. So, you know, there are some, you know, lifting up rocks, you know, lifting up boards. Maybe you've done something like that. Maybe you're not looking for snakes, but you had to move something. But you, you, similar situation. You lift something up. Maybe you're not looking for snakes. But all of a sudden, you get all the creepy crawlies and the bugs are going, right? Because they've been exposed to the light. All right? I'm sure none of you have opened your pantry door in the kitchen and seen creepy crawlies go everywhere because of the light. I'm sure that would never happen in your house because it's been exposed to the light. Something's got to be dealt with. And that's true for sin in our lives. The light comes in and it reveals things that need to be dealt with. And can I tell you that those two things, the positive and negative, that, that just really illustrates the balance of the gospel. The good news. It's got to have both. We need to know that we are sinners in need of a Savior but that we have a Savior if we turn to Jesus. I'll be honest with you, I cringe just a little bit when I hear somebody preach and they come to asking people to come to a place of accepting Jesus as their Savior. And I'm not saying that anybody in every way that does this has the wrong focus or they're doing the wrong thing. It's just that maybe they've not thought it through or whatever, but they don't ever mention the fact that we have sin that's got to be taken care of. They just say, come to Jesus. Jesus loves you. They may even say Jesus died for you. Just give your life to him. Just ask him to come in. Just you know, ask him to help you with his problems. He wants to help you with your problems. And all that is true. But to be truly saved from our sin, we need to recognize that we have sin to be saved from. That we are all sinners separated from God. And Jesus came to save us. And it's not just accept Jesus. It's not just welcome him. It's not just invite him. It's not just come to him. It's not even just surrender to him. But it's come to him and say, God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Because Jesus paid the price. And I want him in my life. So we've been talking about the crusade coming up. That's one of the things we've talked about is that when we have these services each night, the focus is going to be on the gospel. It's not preaching about money. It's not preaching about blessings. Well, the gospel is blessings. It's not, I'm not saying none of that will make its way in. It's not preaching about this, that, or that. It's preaching about salvation and how we need Jesus. And Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. And as we put our trust in him, he will forgive us of our sins. 
And it's very much of my concern that our speakers understand that and we communicate that, that listen, preach the gospel, make sure it's the whole gospel. The whole gospel. Well, I could, I could preach a whole message just on that. I just started to, but I'm going to back off on that a little bit. So the balance of the gospel, we're sinners in need of a savior. But as we talk about this in our own personal life, Okay, uh, most of you, as far as I know, are believers. You know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and, and that's probably true for many of you that are watching online, but for those of you that are online or those of you that are here, you know, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we're glad you're here. God does love you. God does have a great plan for your life. You do need to come to Jesus and just give yourself to Him, invite you into your life. He does want to help you with your problems, but the first thing is you need to deal with your sin. But apart from that, For the majority of us that may be here, that we're already believers, we're already followers of Jesus, we're already trusting in him for salvation, this has an application to us too. Because you see, once we come to know Jesus, we still need the light. And we still need to respond to the light. Because the truth is not just about our sin and our need for a Savior, but there's all kinds of truth in God's Word that we need to respond to so that we can grow in our relationship with him and in our relationship with other people. And become more and more like Jesus. And help us to deal with the problems that we do have. And so there's two aspects to this too. There's two responses to the light. There's this first positive response. Learn from the truth and apply it. Learn from the truth and apply it. That's why Jesus says, and why my point here is, listen carefully to the truth. He says, take care how you hear Listen attentively. Don't be distracted. Pay attention. Put yourself in a place where you can hear the truth and not just on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights at Bible study or men's group on Thursday or ladies group on Tuesday. See how I got that little advertisement in there? But in your own personal walk, take that time every day if you can. If you miss a day, pick it back up. Take that time every day with God in his word allowing him to shine the light the truth not just zipping through it so you can say you did it but paying attention I mentioned that this particular teaching is right after the parable of the sower and the seed and the soils and and you may be familiar with that parable you may not but just basically the guy went out sowed some seed and it fell on the ground and there was hard ground and the seed didn't even have a chance to sprout because the birds ate it that represents a hard heart don't want to hear the truth shut it down shut it off some fell in soil that was good soil but it was very shallow so it sprung up real quick but then when the sun came it didn't have deep roots and so it withered and faded that's a shallow heart People that may respond to God or his truth very quickly, very easily on the surface, but they don't stick it out. Some fell in soil where the seed grew up, but there were thorns and weeds that grew up and it choked it out. And that's the distracted heart. The heart that's, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but man, my career is more important than Jesus. Yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but my marriage is more important than Jesus. Yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but my stuff is more important to Jesus. And, and Jesus says, anything that you put more important than God's word, its impact in your life is going to strangle it out. But then he says, there's the good soil. It sprouts, grows, produces a great fruit. And that's the kind of soil we want our hearts to be. So we need to learn from the truth and we need to apply it. This verse 18. It's like, what does that mean? Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Basically, what that's trying to communicate is that if you have an open and willing heart, you're starting to take in. And if you keep that same attitude, you're going to be given more and more and more and more and more. You have some because you've opened yourself to it. You've opened yourself to the light. You're going to get more light. You're going to get more understanding. You're going to get more benefit as you apply it. The blessings of God in your life for applying his word. You may start out with just a little tiny bit. You've got a lot of problems. You've got a lot of things you've got to work with. But as you keep accepting, as you keep opening yourself, as you keep letting that light come in, and you don't just shun it, you don't push it away, you don't shove it to the side... But you listen and you pay attention and you apply yourself. You're going to get more and more and more and more and more. And all the benefits that come from that. So we got the positive response, learn from the truth and apply. But you got the negative response. And that is don't ignore the truth, what I just talked about. You ignore it. You push it to the side. 
So I don't want to hear it. That's kind of what he meant by what he said here when he says, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. People that are closed down to the truth, people that don't want to see the light, people that, 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 that don't want to change, they don't want to pay attention to what God is trying to say. Even what little benefit they think they have, it's, it's going to be gone. Maybe you've seen that in somebody's life. They've heard truth from God's word and they just totally ignore it. And it seems like they just keep going downhill, spiritually speaking, and, and that kind of thing. The Bible even talks about how a person can get a seared conscience and a hard heart to where it becomes more and more difficult to respond to what God is trying to do. We don't want to go there. We would pray for people that are headed that way. Maybe you have loved ones or friends that are kind of there. We pray God soften their heart. The good news is there's always hope. There's always hope. There are so many hard-hearted people that end up giving their lives to Jesus in the Bible and all through history. So don't ever give up hope on somebody who seems so hard. But make sure you're not one of them. Don't ignore the truth. And let me just throw this little side idea in here. And that Sometimes we can be really good about accepting truth, accepting truth, accepting truth, except for this one area. My relationships, my job, my sexuality, my finances, whatever it is, I just want to challenge you. Be open to God's truth for every area of your life. Every area of your life. So don't ignore the truth. Maybe you've been in a situation, have you ever had a problem or what you perceive to be a problem in your body? And at first it's no big deal. So you just kind of ignore it, thinking it's going to go away. But then as it gets worse, it's like, what can I do about this? And maybe you even had a situation where the problem got so bad, it's like, well, should I go to the doctor or not? And I've heard of people that say, well, I don't want to go to the doctor. What if he tells me I have cancer? Well, what if you have cancer? I mean, not that you want to know that. You don't want to accept that. But if you ignore it, what's going to happen? You're going to die of that cancer probably sooner because you weren't willing to check it out. You decided to ignore it. I've got a situation like that in my own life. I've been having some trouble with my shoulders, some pain in my shoulders. And, and I mentioned one of them, only one last year, mentioned to my doctor, and he did a couple things. I think it's just arthritis. It's like, how many are not enjoying growing old in certain areas of your life? Yeah. What's weird is in the seven, eight months since then, my right shoulder has started hurting, and it's gotten even worse. So it's like, well, what do I do about it? Well, maybe it'll get better, blah, 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 you know. And, and I've I got to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor on Monday. So he did the same. He did these little tests of, you know, push against my hands and don't let me push yours and different angles and stuff. He says, that, that uh, left shoulder, he says, I still think it's arthritis, just part of growing older, you know. He says, but he did it on my right. He says, no, there's something not right with the right one. So what do we need to do? He says, you need to get an MRI. So I got an MRI scheduled for a couple of weeks. Now he says, you probably tore a little something, your rotator cuff or whatever. Hopefully it's a small thing. Easily taken care of. But you see, if I would just keep ignoring it and keep doing what I always did, it would make it worse. In fact, he said, he told me, he says, between now and then, we find out what it is and get it treated. He says, there's one thing you should never do. And the only time you'll be forced to do it is if you get arrested. So don't get arrested. I said, I don't have any plans to get arrested. He said, don't put your arm behind your back and move your elbow, you know, your arm up. He says, that's the worst thing you can do to your rotator cuff. I said, okay, I won't get arrested and I'll try not to put my arm behind my back. But the point is, if we ignore the things in our life that are not right, most of the time they're not going to get better. And when we're talking about sin and we're talking about issues that God's dealing with us about, we need to not ignore the truth. We need to respond to it. Let's go on to the third idea here. Live the truth. We've already talked about this a little bit, but live the truth. We jump into this last couple of verses, and, and as we read it, you might say, well, what does that have to do with the other? But this story about Jesus' mother and brothers and family, in verse 19, it says then, his mother, Jesus' mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my, brother and my, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God, we already talked about that, and who do it. Now, let me make a couple of comments here. First of all, some interesting facts about Jesus' family. His mother, Mary, everybody knows about Mary. His earthly father, the man who 
had the role of father in his life was Joseph. And most Bible scholars believe that he died um, when Jesus was relatively young because the last time we hear about him is when Jesus is 12 and he doesn't show up here. This makes it clear that he has brothers. In fact, his brothers are mentioned in another gospel. He's got a brother named, and these are stepbrothers, obviously, uh, sons of Joseph and Mary. Whereas Jesus is just the son of Mary, not Joseph, um, physically anyway. He's got a brother named James. Um, these siblings didn't become believers till after the resurrection, but the Bible says that Jesus specifically appeared to his brother James personally after the resurrection. We see he became a believer, became the leader of the Jerusalem church um, after Peter kind of stepped down from that position. We see that in the book of Acts. He's got a brother named Joseph. He's got a brother named Judas, but in the Bible we know him as Jude. I wonder why he changed his name. But anyway... He wrote the book Jude, you know, uh, just as James wrote the book James, and he has a brother named Simon. And we know he had at least two sisters because it talks about his sisters, all right? His family's important to him. They became believers at the resurrection. But right now, when they're coming to see him, he says, that's not the top priority, that's not the first priority. And he says, my true brother, my true mother and, and brothers are those of you who hear the word and you do it. Now, is he downing his family? No, he loved his family. Jesus was not minimizing the importance of family. We have teaching all through Scripture how important family is. We see in Jesus' own example that he honored and he obeyed his parents, and from the cross he made arrangements for Mary to be taken care of. There is one time he rebuked and condemned some religious leaders that thought they had discovered a loophole to allow people not to have to take care of their parents as long as they promised that they were going to do something special for God. God, Jesus is very upset. He's not minimizing family. But what he is saying is that our response to God's word and our spiritual family is a little more important than our physical family. You know, I can kind of relate to this. I love my family dearly, my parents, my siblings, whatever. But you know what? When I married my wife, she became number one. Number one. I don't know, whatever, you know. Number one. Still love my family. But she's got first priority as far as family is concerned. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. In fact, he said, listen, if you love your family more than me, you're going to find it really tough to follow me. In fact, I don't think you're going to be able to do it. Jesus has to come first. And our commitment to him, then our family. So anyway, but the key point here that Jesus is trying to make, and he's using this family as an illustration, he says, those who are closest to me, those I really have relationship with, those who are my followers, those who have a relationship with each other are those who hear the word of God and do it. And we already discussed that whole thing of hearing, listening carefully, all that kind of stuff. But he says, do it. We need to live the truth. His brother James, like I said, he became a believer after the resurrection, leader of the Jerusalem church, wrote a great Book, okay? Very practical Christianity. The letter of James. And in that, James chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, James says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He says, Listen, you're following Jesus now. Put aside the junk. Get it out of there. Ask God for your help. You know, ask God for his help, you know, and take God's word. He doesn't use the word light because he's using a different picture. He's, let that light shine in. Listen carefully. Pay attention. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And he goes on to talk some more about that. I think it's great that you guys are here today. I think it's great that those of you that are watching online are watching and listening online. But if all you do is hear and go home and it doesn't make a difference, it doesn't make a difference. For you, for the kingdom of God, Jesus made it very clear that we need to not only hear, I went to church on Sunday, and I, you know, but are you doing what God spoke to you about? Jesus, I, I, I meant to mention this, the Pharisees, they knew the truth of God's word better than anybody else, and they missed Jesus. When I say they missed Jesus, so they didn't miss him when they crucified him, but I mean they missed the point. They missed who he was. They missed accepting him. There's going to be all kinds of really spiritual religious people that are never make it to heaven. Spiritual religious people that know a lot about the Bible, they went to church all the time, they did good things and all that kind of stuff. In fact, Jesus talked about them in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 24, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Let me pause right there and say, well, that makes it sound like we can't get to heaven unless we do the right things. No, that's not what he's saying there. I've already explained. We get to heaven because we're putting our trust in Jesus and what he did about our sins. What Jesus is saying is if that's really true, it's going to change your life. And there's other teachings, again, in James and in other places. Paul talks about it, that if the gospel, if the good news of God's word has not changed your life, you probably don't really know him. In fact, John in the, in, 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 uh, shares, what Jesus, uh, shares what Jesus shared about this, but then also in his letter, he says, listen, if you claim to know God, but you're not living for him, I think you're deceived. You're not telling the truth because if you really know God, if Jesus is really your Savior, if you're really trusting in him for salvation, it will change your life. Anyway, back to what he said in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, who hears these words of mine and does them, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And then he told a whole other parable. When storms come, the house stays there because it's built on the rock. He says, but there are people that will hear my words, but they don't do them. Storm wipes them out. So we've got to live the truth. And that kind of brings us full circle. We respond to the gospel, put our trust in Jesus Christ. We begin to listen to his word. We begin to respond to the light. We begin to pay attention. We begin to allow God to apply it to us. We work to do that. We begin to live that truth. And then that allows us to shine our lights brightly. Because as we do that, as we live a life responsive to God, his word, his truth, living for him, not ignoring the truth and and asking for his help to get things worked out, our light shines brightly. So as we wrap everything up today, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, how are you responding to the truth? How do you respond to God's light? Jesus has made sure that light has been put up on a pedestal. If you're willing to see it, you will see it. If you've been paying attention this morning, whether you're here or you're online, God's light has shone out from here. His word has been proclaimed. How do you respond to God's light? Do you actively and eagerly say, God, yes, I want to apply it. God, part of it's okay, but the other part I'm going to ignore. Or do you just shut down? Is there something specific that God's speaking to you about? And maybe he was before you even came here today. And today, that's how he wants you to apply it. He's like, I've been talking to you about that. I'm not trying to lecture you. I'm not trying to condemn you, but you got to get that worked out in your life. It's either something you got to get rid of or something you got to bring in or what something's got to change. You've not, been, you've not been listening. You've not been applying and you're not experiencing everything God has for you because there's something that needs to change. Are you spending time with his word so it can shine in your life? Trying to live it out. You're walking in obedience. Second question is this. How brightly are you shining your light? If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, how brightly are you shining your light? Through your words, through your life. Are you trying to hide your light? (laughs) Some people say, I read about that story in the Bible about Nicodemus. It says that he was kind of a secret disciple. That's what I want to be, a secret agent disciple. At that moment in time, yes, Nicodemus was a secret disciple, but he couldn't stay that way. You see, you can't stay a secret disciple. If you keep following Jesus, it's going to come out. And if you've been able to keep it a secret for a long time, something's not right. How brightly are you shining your light? And the last question is, have you rejected the light up to this point? Either in a particular area of your life, I mentioned that, but what's even more important is, do you know Jesus is your Savior? God has spoken to you, and even more importantly, He may be speaking to you today and saying, you need a Savior. You may not be such a good person in the eyes of the world or in the eyes of the church or in the eyes of the... Whatever it might be. So I'm not a very good person. You know you need a Savior. 
Maybe you think you're a pretty good person, and so you've never really dealt with needing a Savior. Because I'm a good person. I don't do bad. Th- I mean, some, yeah, I try not to, though. And I go to church, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and I give, and I help people. But you know what? Those are great things to do in response to God's love, but it can't save you. Again, that gospel is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And the way you need to respond today is to come to Jesus and say, God, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. And I ask that you forgive me based on what Jesus did on the cross because the Bible says he paid the price for my sins on the cross. I'm putting my trust in him, not myself anymore. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And then, Lord, I'm going to need your help to live for you, to get rid of that sin, to get that junk out of my life and to begin to live for you. But that's what you need to do today. I'm going to invite you all to stand. I'm going to invite my wife, our elders, anyone else who's on the prayer team to come down. The worship team is going to lead us in some worship. As always, I encourage you to respond as God is dealing with your heart. You may just sing along because you say, everything's cool between me and Jesus. I'm really trying to live for him and I'm just going to worship him during this time. God may be speaking to your heart about a certain area. You need to get worked out. And to, right now is a good time to talk to him about that and say, God, what do you want me to do? How do I need to go about doing that? What, you know, give me the strength because I know what I need to do, but I just got to do it. Give me the strength to do it. If you need to know Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to come. We'll pray with you. Now you be coming, but the invitation is also open for anybody to come that you want one of us to pray with you about anything. You need healing. You need a, something worked out in your relationships or something at work or school or whatever, and you would like one of us to pray for you. We would like to do that. I want to finish with this one last verse, John eight twelve. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Follow Jesus in his light. Let's take a couple more moments. Come for prayer if you need it for any reason. And either myself or my wife will come back and close the service in prayer in just a moment. Hallelujah. Have you decided to follow Jesus? That is the greatest decision that you will ever make is deciding to follow Jesus Christ. When we surrender our lives to him and and admit that we're sinners in need of a savior, he will come in, forgive us of our sins and cleanse us and help us to live for him. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the word today life-changing word. God, I pray that we would all not just walk away saying, oh, that was a good word, but Lord, we would put into practice what you've spoken to our hearts today. Help us to be your shining light as we leave this place in our homes, in our schools, on our jobs, at the grocery store, wherever we go, may your love and light shine through us in the restaurants if we go out to eat, Lord God. Use us however you see fit and we bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.